Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. Arlen Schumer is with us, and we're talking about Batman, the TV series, which debuted 55 years ago, January 12th, 1966. So uh, so you're watching this Wednesday night, 7.30. It debuts on ABC. And the first, the things that jumped out, out at you and your brother, who's also watching, that you liked, that were faithful, uh, let's say, to the, uh, to the, um, the comic book world. Yeah. What, what well, were those things? All, first of all, that night... We were on our knees in front of the television set like an altar, waiting for 7.30. That's how big the buildup was. I'm seven and a half. My brother Steve is nine. And it comes on. And, you know, at first, if you remember the very first episode, it comes on. Uh, you know, you're in Moldavia. There, that you're at the World's Fair, and there's this explosion, and... You know, the Riddler's clue comes down, and they cut to Commissioner Gordon's office. He's surrounded by, you know, Officer O'Hara and Mayor Linseed and all these other, you know, men of Gotham. And they they know it's the Riddler, and they can't handle him alone. They got to call. You know who we have to call. And they go over to the hotline, the red phone. They pick it up. Then we cut to Wayne Manor. In other words, so far, so good. Okay, Commissioner Gordon, everything's cool. Now we go to Wayne Manor. We meet, you know, Bruce Wayne and Dick Grayson. And, you know, it's our first time seeing Adam West and, and Bird Ward as Robin. And they're in Wayne Manor, okay. And they go into the bat poles, you know. They, they say goodbye to, you know, the, that Shakespeare head that they use to trigger the uh, bookcases opening. In other words, so far, so good. Everything's cool. And then it cuts to the animated opening, which is one of the pop culture classic aspects of the show. The theme song, composed by Neil Hefty, the guy that did The Odd Couple and so many television themes. And, and you know, the, his original version, not Nelson Riddle ended up doing the version that was arranged for television. But if you oh, it wasn't the Marquettes? Was it the Marquettes, Arlen, that, that performed that? The Marquettes? No, now you see, if that's the version you play, there were so many cover versions. Even the group, The Who, from England, did a, a released version of the Batman theme. Um, I like the Neil Hefty original. It's, it's got more bottom. It's heavier. It, you can really sense the Peter Gunn, dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. You know, that's the, that's the origin of the Batman theme. He built on that. And to me, the Nelson Riddle version that was put on, on television, when you compare the two, the Nelson Riddle version is lighter. It's a little slicker. But if you get the Neil Hefty original, um, I think that's the greatest version of, of the song. That, when I do my lectures and webinars on the TV show, like I did the night of January 12th a month ago, I always use the Neil Hefty version. Right. So you like Stately Wayne Manor, you like the bat poles, you like the bat yeah, cave, you like the Batmobile. We love the animation. The animation is classic. Right. You know, I found right. out years later that the animation was uh, designed by a great animator named Lee Mishkin. And this guy, Lee Mishkin, he worked on everything from Popeye in the 50s. He worked on um, the Mr. Magoo Christmas Carol. 
which is one of the great versions of the Christmas Carol, with one of the greatest versions of the scary ghost of Christmas future. And um, he ended up doing the, um, the uh, Batman TV show animation. So that was great. Okay, then we cut back to the episode, live action. They come down to the bat poles. They look cool. They're in the bat cave. The bat cave looks cool. They jump into the Batmobile. So far, so good. Everything's good. They get to Commissioner Gordon's office. They discuss it. So far, so good. Okay, we're starting to... Robin looks just like the Infantino Robin. But we're looking at this Batman, and already I'm not kind of liking what I'm seeing, but... So far, the, the episode is played straight. Then they, they go on their mission, and the first thing they do, this is five minutes into the episode, they climb the wall for the first time. In the classic, one of the icons of the series, the rope climbing up the wall, you know? Exactly. Yes. Yes. This is the first time they do it. And, you know, Batman throws up his batarang, they climb up the wall, and again, so far so good, this is very cool. They get to the sixth floor, and they want to get into the windows where they think the Riddler is, and um, uh, Batman takes out his laser, oh, there's bars blocking their way, so Batman takes out his laser torch from his utility belt, and laser torches the bars. And Robin takes the bars, once they're laser torched, and is about to drop them to the ground six floors below when Batman stops him and says, Robin, hold on. You, don't, you might hurt innocent civilians down below, even though, of course, they were in a deserted parking lot. <laughs> takes, so Batman takes out, again from his utility belt, a bat suction cup with a hook, sticks it to the wall, takes the bars and hangs them on the hook. When that happens, my brother and I, remember, we're kneeling on the floor in front of our Zenith 19-inch television, black and white set, like an altar. We look at each other, and almost in unison, Richard, we, we say out loud, they're making fun of Batman. Now, we didn't know what the word camp was. I found out years later... The, the, the famous intellectual Susan Sontag wrote the essay. I mean, famous writer, published, you know, Susan Sontag. She wrote this famous essay in 1964 for Partisan Review Magazine. Is that what it's called? National Review? I forget. And um, called Notes on Camp. And that's where the, the term camp is coined, which, by the way, came from the gay community, the subculture. And, that, and they based it on World War II when soldiers would dress up in drag when they would have these, their entertainments, camping it up. It came from, from army camp. Ah, so right, you see how right. these things sort of happen? But the reason why, and this gets to talk about Sean Connery, James Bond. You know, by December of 65, that's when Thunderball came out the fourth James Bond film with Sean Connery. Right. We as kids had already seen the first four Bond films as kids. We love the Connery Bond. And if you think about Connery's Bond, those were serious spy films. Yeah, he right. had There was some little, comic relief. Yeah, there was some comic relief. great quips. But, you know, From Russia With Love was practically a Hitchcock film. We expected Batman 
to be as serious as Connery's Bond, which, by the way, the Infantino Batman was more like Connery's Bond. So when there was going to be a live-action Batman, when, when, when we found out in December of 65, we had just come from seeing Thunderball. That's the Batman we were expecting. You can't right. Instead, Sean instead you had coming into a discotheque and doing the Bond two scene. Right, so right. You instead, you had Adam West. You had a very what? earnest Adam West, and he was sort of delivering. You know, make sure you buckle up for safety, Robin. It was a well, very point. earnest. Yeah. We, in other, but we as kids recognized that it was. We didn't. Again, we didn't know the word camp. But when we said they were making fun of Batman, when he went into that discotheque midway through the first episode and asks for an orange juice and then does the Batusi with Jill St. John, we could not imagine in our lives Sean Connery's Bond going into a discotheque in any one of those Bond movies and doing... The Bond to see. Do you know what I mean, Richard? Sure, sure. Now let me ask you because th- th- we we but have to talk how now about we were. I, I can imagine, but so then we have to talk about William Dozier, the the producer, and why he decided to do it this way. And it actually takes us to a very unlikely location, Playboy Mansion. Tell us about that. Well, that's an interesting trek. How did Batman come to be on ABC TV in the first place? Okay, so that's very interesting. So we got a switch. You know, you brought up the Playboy Mansion in Chicago at the time. Ford moved to L.A. in like 72, I think. In the 60s, Hugh Hefner comes out of Chicago. And Hugh Hefner grew up reading the comics. He loved the comics. And he remembered seeing as a kid the Batman serials in the 40s. And if you've seen them or seen pictures of them, you know, they're ridiculous looking versions of Batman and Robin. I mean, Robin's mask is like a a domino mask you'd buy at Woolworths. You know what I mean? Batman in one of those films looks like he's got devil horns and they're not exactly built like Charles Charles Atlas. (laughs) They were jlubby Batman. I mean, again, when I say ridiculous, there are people that love this stuff. Everybody, you know, because of, of the internet, there are fans of everything, both great and bad. You know what I mean? The bad and the right, beautiful. Right. I just saw that movie on TV on on TCM with Kirk Douglas. You know, the bad and the beautiful. You know, but that's 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 what they were. And and Hefner, starting in the mid sixties, around sixty four, starts showing in his private screening room at the Playboy Mansion for the entertainment of his very glitterati guests, which were the height of what was hip back then. Tony Bennett would be on, you know, Playboy After Dark, you know. Hugh Hefner, you know, he had an empire. Lenny Bruce. Then, but, you know, he had that late-night TV show, and, you know, he was what was hip, you know. You know, this is in the early 60s, you know, right around the time the Beatles hit. You know, in 64 and, you know, again, Bond mania, you know, these were there was the three B's in the 60s, you know, Bond mania, Beatlemania and Batmania. And um, 
so Hefner is showing these cereals late at night to his guests while they're all drinking and partying. And it's like, you know what happened with the Rocky Horror Picture Show in the mid-70s when people would yell back at the screen and dress up right. and all that? And can't, in a sense, make fun of the thing that they're watching. And that's what they were doing with Batman. Because they are ridiculous, old-fashioned serials. And Batman and Robin look ridiculous. And it's, you know, serial. They're, they're, you know, they're, they're terrible. But they're goofy. And, you know, there's a charm to them. So William and Dozier was in attendance watching. Yes. So in attendance sometime in 64 was an ABC executive. I forget his name. Um, and he was witnessing that all the hip uh, intelligentsia, you know, literati, glitterati that was hanging out with Hefner uh, were, were having a ball with these Batman things. And he went back to L.A. and suggested that they get the rights to do Batman as a TV show, that they think it would be a cool idea. And they gave it to William Dozier, the producer. To do it right in nineteen, and he he Do, Dozier describes the Batman TV series as a as a sitcom without a laugh track. Well, you know, comic book fans like me and my brother were laughing at it, but we were disliking it. We were laughing at it, not with it. You know, but you see, right? You didn't know Batman. The reason why the show is so well loved to this day is that if you didn't know the Infantino Batman, if you didn't know the Batman from the comics, especially the Infantino Batman, because the Batman of the 50s, reprint those angels, was goofy. You know, that's the Batman in a weird way Dozier ended up adapting. He didn't really adapt the Infantino Batman, the serious, the, the Connery Bond Batman we were expecting. Right. God. Now, it's interesting that the, the first villain in the first episode is the Riddler, played by Frank Gorshin, which is an interesting choice because, if I'm not mistaken, Erlen, the Riddler was kind of a, a minor villain in, yes. in, in the comic book. So tell me about the, the decision to go with the Riddler. And this is why Dozier, as the producer, was, <laughs> I mean, you know, he, he didn't know anything about comics. It's the spring of 1965. He's going to L.A. or whatever to go to the meeting, and he has to stop off at the airport to pick up some Batman comics to familiarize himself with the character. He happens to pick up, in the spring of 65, the Batman issue, which at the time brought back the Riddler, who hadn't been published since 1948. But the editor of Batman, who brought in Infantino in this thing called the New Look in 64, decided to bring back the Riddler. So the Riddler, you know, like I said, he hadn't been seen for, for decades. And that was the issue that wound up being adapted for the first episode. So only by chance that it was the issue that Dozier, who knew nothing about comics, picked up. He, he thought comics were junk. He was an elitist. He only knew the fine art world and television, ironically, that he was producing. And, you know, they gave him the show probably because he was doing Burke's Law with Gene Barry, which 
get this, Richard, was about a wealthy playboy socialite who drives around in a limousine in Los Angeles with his young ward fighting crime. Sound familiar? Uh, Indeed. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.